Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. It is Wednesday, January 19th, 2022, and you are tuning in to the Mass and All Access podcast. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you from the Mass in uh, Web Studio. Our shout out to Brendan Mortensen for helping out behind the scenes. Hopefully you're watching us on Facebook or on YouTube, the Mass and National pages across the board, or checking us out after the fact, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or SoundCloud. Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter for myself, at Amy Jennings News for Amy. Amy, good to see you. We are back into our little groove that we did when we were doing <laughs> these from home, accidentally wearing almost the exact same thing. I know. I walked in. I was like, oh, no. And Bobby was like, what? Because the way our I couldn't studio, see you, yeah. yeah, he couldn't see me yet. And then I come around the corner. I was like, oh, no, Bobby. I think yep. we're wearing the same thing. And I almost wore something else, but I was in a rush and had to be ironed. So I was like, oh, I'll just put this on. And then I was like, should I ask Bobby? I didn't. Clearly, here we are. But yeah, this would not have been an issue a month ago when I didn't have any Nationals long sleeve gear. I know, and now we, we got stuff. And now we that we have new stuff Christmas, to wear. Yep. We're in trouble. But. but it's okay. I mean, they're slightly different. And we kind of look like, uniform. you know, like, Bob and Justin on the on the broadcast, or Dan and whoever on the broadcast, yeah. Bob and Dan, because they usually wear Bob? the exact same shirt. Yeah, I'll be Bob. You can be Dan. Okay. Um, <laughs> just keep it simple. Uh, but yeah, so... If you're watching us, hopefully you are on YouTube and Mass or on Mass National's Facebook page. We are almost wearing the exact same here. quarter zips. Um, Our red ops. So next week, I'm planning on wearing blue, FYI, if you wanted yeah. to match or if you don't, that's okay. I'm okay, I'm okay with it. But Will you be like, offended if I do wear blue? No, 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 because I don't think you... You saw the you saw the quarter zip that I wore last week. You didn't... True. I, I don't think you have that, do you? No, I don't. All right, so anything. You can wear blue, just... Because we'll be okay. slightly different, so it'll, right. it'll work out. <laughs> um, all right, uh, we've got some baseball stuff to talk to you. Before we get to the uh, baseball and Nationals news that we want to discuss, I do have a question for you because this has been the new wave in 2022. This is a new segment I'm calling What Bobby's Doing New in 2022. Oh, <laughs> Are you on the Wordle train, Amy Jennings? No, and I don't know what it is still. You don't know what I, it is? I see the boxes. Brendan, do you know what it is? Brendan I Chicks see the yes. boxes all over my Twitter. Uh-huh. But I don't know what it is. So, Bobby, please. It's explain. a game. It's a word game. Okay. You have five guess, six guesses to guess any, a five-letter word, and it is the same word for everybody across in the in the world every single day. Oh. You have twenty-four hours to guess the word, so and then, then the word changes at midnight. Is it an app? It's a website. I don't think they have an app yet. Okay. I just go it on my browser on my phone and do it. And, and then you share it on Twitter or wherever. Well, that's the one thing I don't like about Wordle is that I, I don't judge people who do. I personally don't share my results on, on my social media. I just don't really so care. So I didn't I don't know. Really so it's the to. same for everybody. Yeah, it's the same word for everybody. Oh, so now I can really judge these people. Yeah. You know, because some people are doing well and some people are Sometimes doing they're so really well. hard. Sometimes they're really easy. Um, apparently today's is an easy one. I did not do today's yet. I'm going to do it tonight. Um, but it's, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a new wave. It's like just like it's a it. fun, easy game. I like word games. Uh, it's kind of a puzzle. So the way you play is that you guess a, a word. It has to be an actual word. You can't just guess any random uh, number of letters. Um, and if a letter is not in the word, it'll turn gray. If a letter is in the word but not in the right spot, it'll be yellow. And if it's the right letter in the right spot, it'll be green. You have six guesses to guess the word. We should do like a uh, a nationals rendition. Uh, can of we this. think of five we can letter get like the big five letter names? Yeah, we can do be like Bobby will be Vanna White, and we'll like release the letters. Yeah, I think we. Can I'm making a note of that yeah. on our on our Google Doc. Like a player or something. Nat's Wordle. 
Nat's Wordle. Nat's Wordle. Yeah. So I think we could do it. Yeah. So I oh, like five it. It's been letters, fun. Though. It might have. It to might be, be tough. I mean, five. figuring out names or baseball references that are just five letters are tough. Maybe we could do like a. You know, we could expand it to like six or yeah. shorten it to four, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing; it's, it's five letters, so you like think it's easy, but it's it can, it's kind of difficult. And the funny thing is too yeah, is that yeah. like I've read a couple articles that be like just because you're bad at Wordle doesn't mean you're dumb, or like just right, because right, right. that doesn't mean you're not smart or anything. So uh, it's been a fun little game. I challenge you to to try I it should out. Try it yeah, now. I'll send it to you. Try it out and report back next week. Okay, sounds and then good. I'll next try week it. for the segment, I'll talk about how I. Uh, join the Peloton train, and uh, we'll talk about Peloton for a second. Oh. <laughs> hey, I'm getting married later this year. It's time to whip this body into shape. Got to look good for the wedding. So yeah. we are all on the Peloton. And Did been, you already have a Peloton? We got it right before Christmas. Fancy, yeah. smancy. We're going to have to go over to the Bobby Belanco household. It's actually get fun. our uh, our, uh, our bike on. Bike on. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah, we it's go. Been a lot of fun. Um, all right. So before we talk about other uh, baseball stuff, that was a fun little intro to the pod. Um, we're going to talk about, of course, the international signing period began on Saturday. We previewed that last week. We'll recap the players that were signed, um, including Christian Vaccaro mm-hmm. on uh, Saturday morning. Um, and then we'll actually get into the news that broke yesterday. Uh, the Nationals announced their new minor league player development staff. That is all the minor league coaches, all the minor league coordinators, uh, and stuff like that with a whole bunch of new uh, titles. I want to talk about one in particular uh, when we talk about it. Uh, I wrote about it on MassInSports.com this morning, so we could talk about that. But first and foremost, unfortunately, we had to start on just some housekeeping notes. An unfortunate note that came over the weekend. Seth Romero arrested near his hometown in Texas. We don't want to spend too much time on him, but it is newsworthy. It's noteworthy, especially since he is on the 40-man roster. Mm-hmm. The Nationals can't we just kind of get some of the logistics out of the way. The Nationals cannot do anything related to him and his status with the team or the roster until the lockout is over. Mm-hmm. The lockout prevents that, so they cannot punish him they cannot uh drop him release him cut whatever you want to say until the lockout is over uh, i think i saw the statement from the national saying that they uh are aware of it they're looking into it and that's it um but it's just another bump in the road for seth romero who we've talked a lot about in the podcast before had seemingly a bright future but off the field issues are keeping him um, from achieving what we thought he would do as a first-round pick. Right. Never good to see from any player. I'm thankful that, you know, he's safe. It right. wasn't like an accident and he hurt somebody else or anything of that nature. Obviously, still terrible to see. You don't want to see a national get arrested uh, for anything. And it seems, just like you said, another bump in the road for Seth Romero. It started in college. There were a lot of issues there. Uh, nationals, I guess, hoping that they could smooth out some of those bumps. And he's had, you know, the broken hand, supposedly. He's fell. Uh, that was two seasons ago. Yeah, now. 2020. Yeah, 2020. And now this, uh, it seems like it just keeps piling on. But like you said, nothing, you know, uh, will happen as far as um, what his roster status. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, until the lockout is, of course, over. And Pete Kurtzel writing on MassInSports.com earlier on, I think it was on Sunday morning, uh, covering for Mark Zuckerman, who deserves this week off. He's taking the week off mm-hmm. for vacation. But basically asking that question, what does this mean for his future? At what point do we get to the point that it is time to cut ties with Seth Romero? We know Mike Rizzo has very little tolerance and patience for stuff like this. And I think because they took a chance on him and that he was a first-round pick, they're maybe giving him a little more of a leash in their We've seen them with other players because we've seen them 
cut players from the major league roster for a lot less. That's what I was going to say is they don't really usually mess around right. with behavioral issues. You know, they take chances on some of these guys with injuries, but with Seth Romero, yeah. it was behavior problems, and they usually don't play around. That's why I've been surprised that they've dealt with it for as long as they have. You're either with us or you're in the way, is the famous quote that mm-hmm. Mark, uh, Mike Rizzo has said before. Uh, I think they had that hanging in the Nationals tunnel on the way out to the dugout from the clubhouse. So, yeah, I, I mean, we'll... Obviously, when this lockout is over and the Nationals make some kind of move, whether in form of a punishment or roster move with Seth Romero, we'll be covering that too. But that's something to keep on the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, would not be, be surprised to see him just kind of be yeah. left a lo- off uh, the organization after this. Um, but on to happier news and more exciting, noteworthy news. Mm-hmm. The international signing period, like we said, Saturday opened. This runs until December. I think it's December 15th that it goes. So it happens basically all year long that these – clubs the teams can sign international players um from the latin um countries and and leagues uh the nationals ended up signing 10 players highlighted of course by christian vaquero um you can see there a lot of them under the age of 18 or younger marlon perez being the one 21 year old a left-hander out of cuba uh and then also mention take note of the new spelling of christian vaquero because we spelled it without the h the h is actually in the middle so it's Christian I didn't Vaquero, even notice that, but I think the pronunciation stays the same. So we're going to call, call him Christian. Uh, the Nationals c- corrected us on Saturday with the actual spelling of his name. Big get. Number one overall prospect, according to Baseball America and the international market. Number two per MLB pipeline. We talked about him a lot last week. And we questioned whether how much money he would take of the pool. Turns out it was most of the, their pool. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a new trend the Nationals are heading towards rather than getting a whole lot of players for their, their pool money. They're going after, they're targeting one guy. Obviously, this is a huge get and hopefully well worth the money. Um, but spending it all on one player, which is a little bit risky, but obviously there's a huge payoff um, if a player like Christian Vicero turns out. Obviously, the next one getting the second most money was Marlon Perez at 200 $50,000. That was his signing bonus. $4,925,000 bonus for Christian Vaquero. That is a new club record by over a million dollars uh, for the Nationals to give out to an international prospect. That was $3.9 million with Armando Cruz last year and Yasel Antuna back in mm-hmm. 2016. So a new record for Vaquero in terms of a club record uh, for a bonus pool for an international prospect. We talked about the accolades, what he can do, what he brings to the field. Um, yeah, and, and he took up a good portion of their $5,179,700 pool for this period. And, you know, the Nationals had their eyes set on their man. They wanted Vaquero. They went and got him, and it didn't matter what the price was because they, you know, were so locked in on this one top prospect who they believe can eventually become a top superstar talent. Yep, exactly. And then there's other teams that, you know, spread all of that money out. Like the Orioles, I think, signed 24 player international guys. Uh, So that's certainly, you know, one outlook, one philosophy, and this is another. And they were set on him. And like we talked about last week, a potential five-tool player, strong arm, great defensive instincts out there. Uh, He also has raw power at the plate. So I think if everything goes according to plan this would be a big get for the nationals i think what is he six one now bobby he's six three already listed as six three one eighty five and they think he'll fill out two fifteen six four yep so that's a big boy (laughs) yeah and he's already been clocked at a 60 yard dash time um you know for those of you who are more familiar with a 40 yard dash time his 60 yard is 6.4 to 6.5 even as fast as 6.3 seconds um so probably take about two seconds off for a 40 yard you're looking at close to like as fast as you see some, you know, 
NFL defensive back scouts run a 40-yard dash, but he's doing over 60 yards. So he covers a lot of ground in a short amount of time, uh, a perfect uh, skill set for a center fielder, which the Nationals are excited for. Um, you look at the breakdown, too, for the rest of the class. Um, you know, they've spread out everywhere. I think they, there's a catcher in there. They've got uh, a couple of pitchers, both lefty and righties, infielders. One is a designated shortstop. Uh, so three infielders, two catchers, in fact. Uh, three right-handers, a left-hander, and then Vaquero in uh, center field. Uh, and he is listed as a center fielder out of Cuba, just a center fielder. And then mm-hmm. one player, Camilo Sanchez out of Panama, the rest out of the Dominican Republic, which is not a surprise because that's where the Nationals basically have their right. international scouting headquarters in their uh, Dominican Republic Academy. Yeah, what's really a little bit surprising about this list is those two Cuban guys. Yeah. Uh, usually the Nationals aren't too big in the Cuban market, partly because they are putting such an emphasis in the Dominican Republic and rebuilding their relations there. But also, you know, Cuban players are typically a little bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. They're typically a little older, like you see in Marlon Perez. Um, So Christian Vaquero, 17 out of Cuba, is a little bit on the younger side of what you see out of Cuban international prospects. Yeah, probably the median of this class. And and we talked about last week how he did move from Cuba to the DR mm-hmm. uh, at a younger age to further his baseball development. So he's been in the Dominican Republic for a, a while now. So, I mean, he was signed in the DR, but he was born right. and raised in, in mm-hmm. Cuba. Uh, so he's a Cuban nationality. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's interesting that, the, you know, obviously mostly we see uh, DR players come out from the Nationals clubhouse uh, or uh, signees and then, you know, some other countries here and there. But uh, yeah, Christian Vaccaro headlining that class at 17 years old, learned how to switch hit. We talk about that. He's a natural lefty with power, but he's learned how to switch hit while in the Dominican Republic. Um, so he has a, hopefully a bright future. Have not seen updated um, prospect rankings yet um, from anyone mm-hmm. quite yet. We saw the top 100 come out for Baseball America today. The Nationals had three guys listed there, Caber Ruiz, Kate Cavalli, and Brady House. Um, but no updated top 30 prospects after this international class signing. So I'll be looking forward to see where Vaquero lands in there because we know uh, that Armando Cruz is already in the top five after being signed last year and during the opening of the international signing period. So where Vaquero lands in those new rankings will be super interesting. We'll obviously have that coverage for you right here on the podcast whenever that is announced. Um, All right. The other thing we need to talk about in terms of the international signing period real quick because this actually came down right after we signed off last week, previewing uh, this international class. Everyone was worried about Juan Soto's younger brother. I think it's Elian? Yeah, Elian Soto. We'll call him Elian Soto. Um, He is not eligible to be signed this period, but he was expected to go to the New York Mets, the rival Mets, and then... Right after we signed off on the podcast last week, a former colleague and friend of the show, Byron Kerr, broke down the news that he actually flipped his commitment. Think of it as a college you know, mm-hmm. commitment. Uh, flipped his commitment to the Nationals with some help from his older brother. He signed with Scott Boris's agency. Obviously, another connection to the Nationals. And Elian Soto is supposed to headline the next year's class of international prospects. I like what you said there, commitment, because it really is like a commitment right. sometimes with these international guys because like Soto, he's not a expected to sign until next year you see that oftentimes they'll kind of commit to a team and you'll hear about them a year before they they do actually sign and it was like seconds after we signed off the pod last week we're like seriously Um, but of course it isn't till next year but was supposed to go to the Mets now expected to sign with the Nationals which is 
kind of interesting when you think about it in the perspective of Juan Soto's future. Uh, maybe that's a good sign. I don't know if that's telling at all, but uh, it's certainly if he's anything like his older brother, this could be big for the Nationals. Well, everyone was saying that because he had committed to or it was expected to sign with the Mets, everyone had a field day saying Juan Soto to the Mets once he's a free agent. I'm so sure that's how that works. But, you know, I, it was kind of a sigh of relief, I felt like, for Nationals fans seeing that his brother flipped and now is expected to sign with the Nationals following in Soto's younger brother. And you have to imagine, you know, it was reported that Juan Soto had, you know, had discussions with his brother, obviously, and mm-hmm. kind of influenced that decision. But you also have to imagine that Johnny DePuglia has been involved in too because he is the one that signed Soto originally all those years ago. He obviously has a relationship with the Soto family, probably has known Elian since he was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to imagine that he had his hands in this as well and been able to get him to switch his, as we're calling it, a commitment. And even if it doesn't speak to Juan Soto's future with the Nationals, I think it does speak to what Juan Soto thinks of the Nationals mm-hmm. as an organization. True. I don't think you would guide your brother. I mean, money's a big factor, but in right. relationships, a big factor. But I don't think you would guide your brother to sign with an organization or a team that you didn't have, you know. Yeah look trust well on or, or trust or feel comfortable with exactly or you know wasn't supportive of yeah yeah um and, and i i mean it is i don't these are th- two separate things right alien signing next year again not in 2022 but in 2023 and then juan soto's free agency mm-hmm. still three years away two separate things i don't think they are related no. at all it's just like you said but you can't help but like right, try to right but let me, even if alien does sign next year you know I know Juan broke through at the age of 18, Mm -hmm. but he is, I mean, that doesn't mean that Ilian is going to, and Juan Soto, they're on different paths, right? You know, he's, Juan Soto is now the face of, one of the faces of the sport, not just the Nationals, the sport, Mm -hmm. especially internationally. So, you know, we shouldn't put too much pressure on Ilian to follow in his brother's footsteps, and we shouldn't put too much pressure on Juan to stay just because his brother is now all, well, not now, but will also be in the organization. That's true. That's a good point. And can you imagine being Juan Soto's younger brother? Oh, my gosh. Of all the players in the league right now, it'd be awesome. (laughs) And I'm sure he loves watching his brother, and it kind of gives you a path or something to look up to, and you know it's possible. But, oh, my goodness. Another little quick tease before we move on. Early reports saying that Elian shows even more power from the left side of the plate than his brother does, which is shocking to say. At the same Jeez. age, not currently, of course, right, right. because Juan's <laughs> 22 now. But at their, when Juan was that age, Elian is showing more power than Juan did from the left side of the plate. Well, He's also a left-handed hitter as well. So something in the water for those the Soto mm-hmm. boys where they are left-handed power hitting. And he also plays third base outfield. Not sure where he'll probably end up fitting once he enters an organization in terms of – field position, but he does play third base and the outfield, mm-hmm. so he seems like to be athletic enough to move, well, move around the diamond. Dad was apparently a real good ball player. Mm-hmm. He, I don't know if he played an adult baseball league or softball league, but they used to go all the time to his games and stuff when they were little, and he would stay late and throw a BP to them and stuff, so maybe it comes from Dad. It comes yeah. from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So a year from now, we'll be having a new podcast, break, possibly breaking down that yep. signing, um, another Soto into the Nationals organization. Um, and then once he enters the organization... Who's going to train him up? Who's going to develop him? Well, the Nationals have decided that for at least the 2022 year, completely revamping their player development on the minor league side staff. They announced a new staff next uh, yesterday on, on Tuesday, 
14 new roles, 20 new, over 20 new members into this organization. And we saw this coming, right? Mike Rizzo teased this at the end of last year, his end of season press conference with reporters in the Nationals dugout before their season finale against the Red Sox. Um, he said, and I quote, we're certainly going to have to make some changes in the player development and scouting ranks just to get some new ideas and some fresh looks and some fresh set of eyes in there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 10 or 12 years with the same staff shows cohesion. And then when you make some nice tweaks and get a new set of eyes and some new ideas is never a bad thing. Completely agree with that point. And just the whole new roles that are implemented, there are development coaches on each level of the minor league staff for each team. Um, they're adding more coaches to the Dominican Summer League, so they're even investing more into their Dominican Academy. Um, if you're watching live on the Facebook page or YouTube channel, there is the hodgepodge of new <laughs> names, um, a new mental skills coordinator, a new nutritionist even. Everyone here is going to play an important role in the development of these young players. And my first immediate takeaway, Amy, is that this is a lot of heavy focus on the lower levels of the minor mm -hmm. leagues. Yeah, there's definitely uh, a shift of importance to the minor league with this with this rebuild launching here player development becomes increasingly important that's why you see 14 new roles and 20 new faces here in the organization the nationals in 2021 had the least amount of minor league coaches coordinators and additional staffers so they had the least amount of people in their player development um staff than any other organization in the big leagues and that's not to say that quantity is more important than quality because obviously having guys to develop these is really important um but you also the roles there are important and how many you have is important i think the nationals had around 46 in their player development staff and most teams have 60 70 even 80 some teams have 80 so that'll be important it's nice to see not only new roles on this on this list but new faces they wanted to get new voices involved and the nationals typically like to shift guys around but this is a breath of fresh air that they're getting new faces in there uh, which might lead to a big boost in in their player development staff yeah and, and two names we should mention right off the top of the uh, of this conversation um Bob Henley is now the field coordinator for the entire minor league system, and Randy Knorr, the catching coordinator for the entire minor league system. Of course, they were let go from Davey Martinez's staff at the end of the season, but we're told that they would have new positions within the organization, and here they are. We know what those are now, field coordinator and catching coordinator. Essentially, basically kind of the roles that they have with the major league coaching staff. Mm -hmm. Bob Henley, of course, third base coach. Uh, was also helping coaching the uh, with, on the defensive side on the field alignment. I think he was outfield instead of just – it just says field. So it could be the entire field, not yep. just uh, outfield. Um, and then Randy Nor we know, worked a lot with the pitchers and the catchers um, with, uh, with his catching experience. Well, and that catching coordinator is important because that's one of the positions that they went all of 2021 without. And, you know, at the deadline they got Cabra Ruiz and mm -hmm. Riley Adams and they didn't have a catching coordinator. So to add that position and to have it, have it in Randy Nor who has so much – experience with the organization already i think that'll be good sam naren who you have uh talked to uh, before for the mm -hmm. podcast remains as the pitching coordinator there's just a lot of different names being listed and you look on the other side this is all being head by Dejon watson we talked about him uh when he was uh the director of player development um and you know you're looking at your uh his resume right now on the on the screen five seasons as a special assistant to mike rizzo now in charge of all the player development department um you know he was a senior vice president of baseball operations with the uh diamondbacks he led the player development system in the, in la with the dodgers so he has a lot of experience in kind of manning this 
Mm-hmm. Heading, heading the whole department of player development. And, uh, uh, you know, he was obviously essential in bringing in a lot of these new guys. One of the guys I want to talk about, and specifically this new position, it's a brand new position that the Nationals just created. Also, that was kind of hinted at by both Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo at the end of the season. Director of Player Development and Technology and Strategy, and that's going to be David Longley. And that is a brand new position filled. Um, they essentially are going to be working with a lot of the minor leaguers in terms of teaching them about sabermetrics Mm -hmm. and the new wave of all these advanced analytics and translating to them so that when they eventually reach the upper levels of the system and the major league system, they're all familiar with what they want to do and what they want to accomplish. We even talked to, we heard about this from Darnell Coles, even when he was hired as the hitting coach, it's all about, you know, taking analytics, you have so much information nowadays, but being able to translate them to right. the players and how you utilize this information. Mm-hmm. Any team has access access to them, but it's how you utilize this info is going to be uh, very important. And on the minor league side, David Longley is going to be very important in, in spearheading that uh, process. Yeah, I think this will be great for the Nationals because we know at the end of last season, they lost their head of analytics in Sam Mondry Cohen. He got another job, and that's who built the Nationals really their entire um, their entire analytics staff and he built their internal database and everything of that. So I don't know if there will be a little hiccup um, kind of in between this, the relationship with the player development staff and David Longley and, and their analytics department. That'll be interesting to see. But this is really good and an important role in their player development staff. Like we said, Longley, he spent six seasons with the Padres. He was assistant director of baseball ops for half of that time. He also spent time in player development for the Yankees and he worked as a Spanish interpreter for the Dodgers, which we know will be important um, as the Nationals continue to grow their international prospects. Yeah, we just talked about the 10 guys they brought in. Um, Longley will assumely work with a lot of those guys once mm-hmm. they get their feet wet and start you know, working out at the Florida Complex League and um, the lower levels of the minor league system. They are still very young. Um, but yeah, that was one part of my... I wrote on MassInSports.com this morning. Yeah, check that article out. Good. Longley's got... Three major qualifications on his resume that I think are very important for this job. One of them being Spanish speaking. Um, He even got his uh, master's uh, in Latin American studies from the University of California, San Diego last year while obviously working for the Padres. So he speaks Spanish very well. We know about how many players are on. I think I said it's like about 15 players on the 40 man currently are native Spanish speakers. We talked last week about there are 11 in the Nationals top 30 prospects, six in the top 11. Um, so there's plenty of Spanish speaking, and that's just the shift of baseball, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's over 30% now of major league baseball players are Spanish natives or Spanish speaking native uh, peop, uh, players. So that's important. And we're talking about Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr., all these guys who are now going to be the new wave of faces of baseball are Spanish speaking. So it's important for coaches and personnel mm-hmm. to be able to translate them. Now they work on their English as well. But speaking Spanish is, has never been more important in the game of baseball than it is right. today. Especially when it comes to a role like technology and strategy, yeah. you know, like that translation of analytics and, and kind of working through the hiccups with Spanish-speaking players yeah. is is really important. So to have somebody in this role that is Spanish-speaking is good because you see, you see minor league coaches that speak Spanish. You see major league coaches that speak Spanish. But as you go farther and farther up, 
uh, the front office of teams, you see less and less. So to have somebody in this role like David Langley that can help translate, literally translate yeah. this stuff <laughs> to the players is good. And another, well, I was going to say, back into the Spanish speaking, like talk about like sabermetric phrasing and, 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 and terms like weighted runs created plus, like how do you, how does that translate in Spanish? And, and, you know, it's just difficult for these guys. So how being able to correctly explain what that means, it's hard in English, right? So. True. <laughs> I, we barely understand it. And, and so to correctly translate into Spanish, what that means and how that applies to any individual player is important. And this is also something the nationals have done pretty well. They've always provided English classes to their young Spanish speaking players and Spanish classes to their mm. coaches and personnel. So, they're not, this is something they obviously target in terms of hiring player development personnel and coaches, uh, people who can relate to their, uh, their young Spanish speaking players. And then in terms of relating to players in general, I love the fact that Longley was also a player. And this is a part, you know, he played at a small school in Massachusetts, Wheaton College um, in 2012 when he graduated. He was the captain of the baseball team. Sure, he didn't play professional ball at a high level, but he played the sport and was in a leadership position. I think a lot to be said, and we've heard players kind of talk about this before, they're more open to, not criticism, but help and, and making adjustments when it comes from a former player mm -hmm. and someone who's been in their shoes. So the fact that he has that, you know, I played this game too. I know how to, I know how players think and how they like process the game. Um, you know, I know what captains and, and guys in leadership roles, veterans, how they kind of manage the team. So I think that's a small but important factor for a guy now in a leadership position. I think that's, that's a really good point because when it comes to roles within data and technology or in analytics departments, sometimes you see staff that didn't necessarily, they played the game, but not to a certain level, not to the college level. And there is kind of a lack of understanding, I guess, if you will. So if this is a guy that's going to be working directly with players and working with the data and technology part of it, to have it coming from somebody who played, played college ball, was the captain of his college team is important. Yeah, it's just being able to like relate on that level mm -hmm. of being, wait, I've been in your shoes. I know what you're thinking when you make this play. Here's how maybe we should approach it a different way. Mm -hmm. It just comes from, and I'm not saying, I don't mean to say this in like in a mean way or like, but like if it comes from a guy who you know was just, you know, just hired to be like a statistician or mathematician, he I just don't feel like players would always respond to that in a positive way because they, in their back of their minds are thinking, well, you never played the sport. How do you know? Just because the numbers say that that's, that's how that, you see that yeah. in coaches all the time too. Mm -hmm. Like you can trust the numbers to a certain extent, but at the same time you have to, you're playing in a game and you know, athletic talent has to take over at some yeah, point. You have to have the mix of all of it. Right. If, you know, if he's a former player, he has that leadership role and he has, you know, this, that data side of it as well. And especially at the minor league level, you know, when you're trying to, you know, give this information to major league players who have already done most of their yep. development. They can take it a little bit more. But when you're talking about 17-year-old guys, yeah. you know, you, you relate to them and you're teaching them in different ways. You can't just throw the numbers at them and expect them to digest it and apply it the way you would. You right. Know. Yeah, I mean, he can say like, hey, I remember when I was a senior and we played Boston College and this happened to me right, or on right. the field. So I get it, stuff like that. And then the third and final thing, uh, he's worked in player development departments before. He's kind of been the upper echelon of those, of those players from other teams. Um, you know, especially credits with, you know, working with 
the Yankees and the Dodgers, two teams that have had mm-hmm. long staying success. So he's worked with some really good young players uh, in his process. You know, player development, of course, is in his title. Um, he has background in scouting a little bit, which we know that Mike Rizzo values scouts eyes. So it's not just using the numbers too. He does have an eye for the game, exactly. tying back to being a player. And he can utilize that in terms of being able to help translate all these new terms and technologies, you know, slow, ma- slow motion capture cameras. Uh, they use virtual reality nowadays. They have swing trackers, pitch trackers, stuff like that. Using all these different types of technology, the data that they pr- put out and then em- implying it into or utilizing it in an actual game situation is going to be important. And he, he can do that. And that'll be good too, just for the pure fact of somebody to oversee. They didn't have a video coordinator right. in their minor league system before they had interns kind of running right. it at, at each team. So just have somebody oversee that will be good. <laughs> yeah. So 14 new roles, including the director of information and technology or whatever to flip it around technology and strategy and strategy. Yeah. So, um, and 20 new members, other people on the highlight Coco crisp is now with the nationals, which I is cool. <laughs> um, he was going to be the outfield base running coordinator for the minor league system, which we know he has a lot of experience in that a former world series champion. Um, there are other kind of, there are other names around here. It's a lot of names. If you want to go through the list, it's on massinsports.com, both in press release form and a quick article I wrote up. Uh, mm-hmm. but you see a lot of names of the bill Moeller, a quality control coach. Uh, it's a new position as well. Um, so, it, you know, Joe Dillon, hitting coordinator now. He was uh, right, Kevin we, Long's assistant hitting coach. And we had thought that he might be coming back as the Nationals hitting coach mm-hmm. uh, when Kevin Long left. So he's back in a new uh, role as a hitting coordinator. So some new names, some familiar names, uh, some names that are in different spots that we're used to seeing. So this is a moment. Monumental shift in my mind for the Nationals because it, it's, you know, it's a Tuesday, I know, in the middle of the offseason, in the middle of a lockout. It seems like it's just a small press release that they put out every year. But with the Nationals entering their first full season of a rebuild, it is a pretty important to note that they have made all these changes. And they followed up on it. Like I said, Mike Rizzo teased it at the end of the season, and they followed up on it. We've been kind of waiting for this announcement for the past couple of months, and here it is. And they're making strides and focusing not just on the minor league system, but the lower levels too. And it came quick. I mean, John Watson was hired November? Yes, late November. November, I want to say. And it took less than two months to make all of these hires and complete the staff, which is good. And to see the commitment shift towards player development is good. To see the commitment to the international market is good because we talked about it last week. If you're not making big splashes in the international market, what are you doing? Like Those are the best players in baseball. So to see the commitment to both of these things is good, especially during the lockout when there's right. nothing else to talk about. At least they're getting stuff done still. Yeah, it's, it's a major uh, check mark on the to-do list for the offseason, even though it is a bunch of names. And you know, the thing is, you know, we're not going to be talking too much about these guys. I mean, they're, they're doing a lot of work that they're not going to get recognition for, you know, because we're not going to talk a lot about these guys during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we will. I mean, maybe we'll be talking about Longley a little more because it'll be more focused on the minor league system this year. But, you know, they're going to be doing a lot of behind the scenes work for this club and these minor league teams that we're not used to covering mm-hmm. when talking about the Nationals because we're so focused on this team winning at the major league level. That's not going to be the case this season. We're going to have to be focused more on the minor league development, and then that's where these guys come in and help them uh, develop and become uh, the hopefully the next Nationals 
championship team. Right, because player development is so important, and you hear about all of these stars that come up, you know, come up through systems, and all of these guys kind of go unrecognized or unnoticed, if you will, at least, you know, from the outside world, just from regular baseball fans, but they play a huge part in it, and it would be alarming if we didn't see the Nationals revamp their player development system, make new hires, make new roles when they are going through, hopefully, a short rebuild. So it's... It's a breath of fresh air, and it'd be scary otherwise, I right. think. Right, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, pretty momentous shift in the Nationals' focus and their entire front office organization. Um, you know, we still, of course, are in a lockout, so change at the major league level can't really happen. We're hopefully hearing news about that soon. Uh, start of spring training, of course, is in jeopardy. It's supposed to be a month from now. Not looking too great about that front, so... You know, there's been some back and forth, some which back is and good. Forth. It's not, you know, it's not silent on both sides now, but but still, we're still in the waiting period. So small moves like this are going to happen. Small, they're noteworthy, they're newsworthy, and we'll keep you updated throughout the course of the off season up until spring training starts and opening day, of course, with any other moves being made. Any notes from you before we get out of here? And that's it. One note for me, I want to give a shout out to Mark Zuckerman, who was named oh, the yeah. National Sports Media Association DC Sports Writer of the Year for his coverage on MassInSports.com of your beloved Washington Nationals. So shout out to Mark for his great coverage. We think he's one of the best in the biz, mm-hmm. so good to see him get recognized as the DC Sports Writer uh, for the year 2021 hard work paid off i know it was a difficult season for him working so many games by himself um working from home on the road via zoom um but the fact that he turned out such incredible content mm-hmm. and was awarded this award uh, is pretty special it shows the talent level that we work with here and that we're fortunate to work with here at Masson. So shout yeah. out to Mark. Check out all his stuff on MassonSports.com. Bobby's been writing a whole lot on Masson Because Mark's on vacation yeah. like he deserved. <laughs> so so go check that out um, because he has some good stuff up even just that he put up today. Yep. Uh, thanks to Brendan Mortensen for his work behind the scenes and producing the show, which of course you can watch every week live on the Masson Nationals Facebook page and or YouTube channel wherever you can check us out. You can watch us. Please watch us because we are usually dressed in color coordination. <laughs> or you can hear the the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, leave a rating. We really appreciate all the feedback you guys give us on the podcast. At Amy Jennings News for Amy on Twitter, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll talk to you next week.